to Valley Creek. What a great day it is to be here today. Come on, whatever campus you're at, Denton, Flower Mound, Louisville, the venue, watching or listening online somewhere in the world. Let's just welcome each other together for a moment. Come on, we are so glad that you are here with us. And when you get to watch 120 baptisms, man, it builds your faith, it encourages your heart, and it reminds you that hope is here, everyone is welcome, and Jesus changes everything. Hope is here because Jesus is here. So whatever is going on in your life today, there is hope for you Everyone is welcome, regardless of where you've been or what you've done or what your life looks like. Jesus welcomes you in and Jesus changes everything. He doesn't just change your situations or your circumstances. He changes you and offers you a brand new life. And on baptism weekends, it reminds us that in Jesus, there is a new beginning, a fresh start, and a second chance. So if you walked in here today looking for hope, Jesus has it for you. And I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you got to celebrate 120 baptisms. 48 of those were students. So again, they are not Generation Z. They are Gen and hope. Come on. God is on the move and he's doing some amazing things. See, I love this verse. Romans says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Days like today remind us that the gospel is the power of God to save everyone, not just us, but also for the world around us. And it's our privilege and our responsibility to steward the gospel and bring hope into the world around us. And so what I want to do today, after we've just experienced these baptisms, and last week we finished up our Set Apart series, I kind of want to put it all together and just remind you of what it is that we're actually doing. Like, like do you ever just show up here sometimes and just wonder, like, what are we doing? Like, like what is this all for? Why, why do we go through all of it? What does this matter? Well, let me just take a couple minutes to remind those of you that know and to bring everyone else that's new up to speed. You see, a year ago, we advanced our vision and believe God gave us a fresh vision from him. And so our vision is simply this, is to be a movement of hope for the city and beyond. One year ago. If you've been with us on this journey, can you believe how much God has done, how far this vision has gone in one year? A movement of hope for the city and beyond. You say, what does that mean? Well, a movement is when a bunch of unique individuals come together and submit their gifts and their passions and their talents and their resources to a common vision for an exponential return. You see, the church of Jesus is a force. We're a community with a cause, and it's like a bunch of little streams that come together to become a raging river that shapes the landscape, changes the atmosphere, and impacts the world around them. A movement is when we all just choose to live a lifestyle of next steps, moving forward in the same direction. A movement of hope. You see, hope is not emotion. Hope is not a feeling. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And when Jesus came, the main message he had was repent for the kingdom of heaven was at hand. In other words, he was saying, hey, change your mind because hope is here. Change your mind. Hope is here because I am here. 
And what I love about Jesus is he didn't make people go looking for hope. Jesus came to bring hope to them and he met them where they were so he could take them to where he wanted them to go. A movement of hope for the city. This hope is not just for us. It's not just for the church. Hope for the city. And God loves cities. Why? Because they're full of people. And God loves people. And so there's hope for schools and hope for families and hope for neighborhoods and hope for government. There is hope for the city and beyond. When the city begins to have hope, it becomes contagious. It cascades. It begins to flow. We are a movement of hope for the city and beyond. And what that requires from us more than anything else is one simple word, unity. To be a movement of hope for the city and beyond means we're willing to give up our preferences and our opinions and our offenses and our rights because we're more interested in the mission that we're on together. We are a movement of hope for the city and beyond. And really, we just do two things. We have harbors and hope carriers, campuses and people. You see, every campus, campus you're sitting at and right now, it's just simply a harbor, a harbor of hope. In fact, there's an old saying that says ships in a harbor are safe, but that's not what ships are built for. Ships aren't meant to stay in a harbor, but in a harbor they're safe. But no, no, ships need to go out and and go out in the ocean and accomplish the mission for which they were created. But make no mistake about it, every ship needs a harbor to come back to. To pull in and unload its cargo and unload its junk and get fresh fuel and fresh supplies and then go back out into the world. That's a great picture of the church. Christians are safe in the church, but that's not what Christians are built for. We're meant to be out there in the world going out on the mission that God created for us. But make no mistake about it. Every follower of Jesus needs a harbor of hope that they can come into like today and unload your fears and your anxiety and your stress and your brokenness and get filled up fresh and get a mission from God and have your faith grow by the word of God and then go back out for the life that God created you for. So we have harbors, the campuses that you're sitting in, and then we have hope carriers, people, you. Let's see if we remember this. Boom. There you go. Hope carriers that carry the hope of Jesus. Don't, if you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. Don't stress about it. <laughs> that, that carry the hope of Jesus wherever they go. And without harbors, we won't have hope carriers. And if we don't have any hope carriers, we don't really need any harbors. So this is what we're doing, and our strategy is really simple. Our strategy is to help people take the next step on their journey with Jesus from lost to leader. See, every person in this world starts lost, hopeless, without God in this world. And it's our job to reach, connect, develop them right where they are, reach them where they are, connect them to God and his people, and develop them to become who God has created them to be. And as they start to discover their restored identity, reconciled relationship, and redeemed purpose in Jesus, they become a kingdom leader or a hope carrier. Once they didn't have a heart, now they have a heart in Jesus' name, and it's a green heart because we're Valley Creek. Now... As you grow in that reality and become a kingdom leader, a hope carrier, a follower of Jesus, you now go into the areas of life. See, we want to raise up hope carriers to take the kingdom of God as the people of God into every area of life. The kingdom of God is not meant to just be in the church. God wants his kingdom. 
his rule and reign, where things are submitted and surrendered to the lordship of Jesus to be in every area of society, like family and education and healthcare, business, government, media, sports, and technology. In other words, the places you go every single day. God wants to send you as the church of Jesus into these areas to simply bring hope. Listen to me. Hope leads. It doesn't matter what your title is, what role you have, where you go, what you do. If you're the person that walks into the atmosphere with hope, you instantly become the leader in that space because this world is starving for hope. And if you got confused about what does it mean to live a set-apart life, you know what it means to live a set-apart life? It just means you're the person in the room that has hope. Number one way you can live set-apart from everybody else is actually have hope. To go into these places and leave them better than where you found them in Jesus' name. We want to destroy the works of the devil because that's what God has sent us to do. And the works of the devil don't primarily need to be destroyed in the church. They need to be destroyed in the areas of life where the hope carriers of God go every single day. You with me on that? That's the big picture of what we're doing. And so we are one church that meets in multiple campuses that carries hope into thousands of locations. One church with one vision and one leadership and one theology and one values and one vision that we align everything and unify to that meets in multiple campuses. Right now we have campuses in different cities and we leverage technology to present the gospel that allows us to influence and impact those cities and reach lots more people than we ever could if we were in one campus. And we carry the hope of Jesus into thousands of locations because wherever you go, there we are because Valley Creek is not a building it's a people and so wherever you go that's a location of Valley Creek your home your neighborhood your school your business your travel where you eat where you shop all those different places you are literally a hope carrier walking into those spaces on mission with God to bring hope to a lost lonely and broken world and so our dream is to simply see you live out God's dream for your life And all of that, that's our privilege, and that's our responsibility. And that's what we're doing, and that's what we have been doing. And every single week, there's stories of people finding and experiencing hope. And I know sometimes it's hard to see those based on your life and who you interact with and coming and going. But every single week, there's stories like this. Like I can tell you about a woman who recently had so much stress so much anxiety, so much fear in her life that she wanted to end her life. She had a plan. She knew how she was going to do it. She had it all figured out, and she decided she was going to give God one more chance. And she showed up at one of our campuses at the end of herself, experienced the presence of God in service, came down after service for prayer. Somebody led her to Jesus. She found hope for the first time in her life, and here she is just a few months later. She's now helping other people find hope in Jesus' name. I could tell you... I can tell you about a student that got invited to one of our hubs at one of our campuses, and this student showed up, and man, he was wild, rebellious, and unruly. It was like he showed up, and he was causing all kinds of distractions and problems and creating all kinds of issues, and finally, one of the hub leaders called him out and pulled him to the side and said, hey, why are you acting like this? 
And the kid argued and this and that and all the different kinds of things as his leader kept asking questions going deeper and deeper and deeper. Finally got to the realization that the kid was acting like that because he was dying for someone to notice him. He finally told the leader, my family is so broken and my home is in such chaos that no one notices me or cares about me. And I'm just dying for someone to pay attention to me. And that leader said, well, I'll pay attention to you. And from that point forward, started helping that student walk with Jesus. And that student now has gotten baptized and has helped other students come to find Jesus. One more, I could tell you about a businessman. A prideful, narcissistic, self-righteous businessman who came only because he thought his wife and his children needed this. That he didn't need that grace thing. He doesn't need that Jesus thing. He's got a pretty good life and has done pretty well for himself. He's only here because his family needs it and other people need it. And yet sitting here in the atmosphere of the kingdom of God, all of a sudden he was cut to the heart one day. And realized that he needed the grace of Jesus for himself. And was humbled and was broken. And now God is building and restoring his life. A life of freedom, a life of abundance, a life of purpose. You see, those stories happen around here every single day. Why? Because God is on the move through us. In one year, since we rolled out that new vision. You ready for this? In one year... 524 people have been baptized in one year. In one year since we said, you know what? Let's be a movement of hope for the city and beyond. Let's have harbors and hope carries. 524 people. That's why we are advancing. That's why we are moving forward. And we are now officially one year into missional move hope for the city. You say, Mission will move over the city, what's that? Well, it was a little more than a year ago that we felt like God really challenged our church to step into the biggest thing that we've ever done. And he really built it for us around the story of the parable of the talents. In Matthew 25, you can read it on your own later, but basically Jesus is teaching us about the kingdom of heaven and he says, it tells us a story. And he says, there was a master who had these servants and he gave one servant five talents, one servant two talents, and one servant one talent, a sum of money. And he said, put this to work. And he went away on a long trip. And when he came back, he called those servants to account for what they did with what he entrusted them. And the guy with five steps forward and he says, master, I've taken the five that you give me and I've turned it into 10. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will entrust you with great things. Come and share in my happiness. And the guy with two talents steps forward and says, Master, you gave me two and I worked really hard and I turned it into four. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few. I will entrust you with much. Come and share in your master's happiness. And then the guy with one steps forward and says, Master, I was afraid. I was afraid of you. I was afraid of messing up. So I kept it for myself, buried it in the ground. Here's your one back. And he looks at the servant and says, you wicked and lazy servant. Take that away from him and give it to the guy with 10. And God brought that passage to the surface for us and really grabbed our heart because you see, in a lot of ways, we identified ourselves as the church as the guy with two talents. 
Eight, nine years ago, we didn't have much. We had one campus, not a lot of people, not a lot of resources, but man, we worked hard with everything we had to reach people and follow Jesus. And over those eight, nine years, we took those two talents and we turned it into four campuses. And I felt like the Lord was saying, well done, good and faithful Valley Creek. You've been faithful with a few things. I want to entrust you with more things. Come and share in your master's happiness. But what we all forget is after the party that night, the next morning, the guy with four has to take the four and go back to work and try to turn it into eight. And so what we felt like God was saying to us is, hey, you've got four campuses and I want you to now double down, take what you got, reinvest it back in, and over this next season, turn it into eight. And so we felt like God was inviting us to go from four campuses to eight campuses over the next four years, biggest thing we've ever done, because one day we're all going to give an account to the Lord for what we did with our resources, with our energy and our time. And man, I want to hear and I want you to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. And so look at the totality of what we're doing. Right now we have four campuses, Flower Mound, the venue, Denton, and Louisville. And we felt like God was inviting us to start a university campus, a Gainesville campus, an Argyle campus, and the fourth one we believe God will show us as these three get started. And we said, what would it be like if we became a church for the city to a church for the region? And what if we just drew a big circle around North Texas and said, let's just own this in Jesus' name? Like, what if we just said, we're going to make it hard for people to go to hell in this region? Like, what if we just said that we want every person in this region to have multiple opportunities to see and experience the hope of Jesus? Like, what if we just say that we believe that every person should have a harbor of hope within a 20-minute drive of where they live? Like, every kid deserves to hear that God is good, Jesus has forgiven them, they are loved, and everything is possible. Every hub student, every hub student deserves to have a hub in their school district where they can discover Jesus, find friendship, make a difference, and change their world. Every person who is out here lost, lonely, and broken in the sea of humanity deserves to have a harbor where they can come in and hear hope is here, everyone is welcome, and Jesus changes everything. And so we said, what if we just go for it? What if we take everything that we currently have, risk it, double it down, and just say, you know what, let's go for it for the good of others and the glory of God. Yeah. And so we're one year into that journey. And obviously, to do four campuses over the next four years, it's a massive investment. And so we told you a year ago, the investment is it's $20 million. And it's not a cost, it's an investment. And we're going to have to develop 400 new leaders to lead at those campuses and raise up 750 new serve team members to serve at those campuses. And so we're one year in. We're one year in. We asked everybody in our church to consider making a two-year financial commitment to invest this resource to do it. And so one year in, $8.5 million has already been given. $8.5 million. We're a debt-free church. We're going to stay a debt-free church. And here's what's amazing to me. As we've been looking at what God's been doing, do you know hundreds of students have made commitments in our giving? Do you know hundreds of kids took missional move piggy banks, filled them up? And do you know those students and those kids, what they have given is tens of thousands of dollars. Now, I'm just saying... When students and kids give tens of thousands of dollars towards the mission of Jesus, 
that should challenge and inspire us. To say, if the next generation sees the value in this, how much more should we? And we've got new people jumping in, learning to lead, new people getting on serve teams so we can do what we need to do. And if you're a current leader or a current serve team member, if each one of us would just invite one person to join the team or to become a leader, we would be amazed at how fast we could accelerate this. And if you're currently a leader or currently a serve team, the question I would ask you is, are you leading or serving in a way that we would want to multiply to those other cities? Are you leading or serving in a way that we would want to say, yes, this is the standard that we want to reproduce in Gainesville, in Argyle, in University? Are you raising up your game to say, this matters and I want to reproduce this somewhere else? Are you with me on this? And so real quick, so you all see this, let me just show you what our current campuses look like. So this is our Flower Mound campus. This is our original campus, and this is our broadcast campus. So come on, at all our campuses, give it up for Flower Mound. This is where it all started, and after Flower Mound, we launched the Denton campus. Let's, you, you jumped me on that. Come on, give it up for the Denton campus, wherever you are. This was our first real campus that taught us how to do multi-site and churches in multiple locations. And they're doing an amazing job reaching the, the Denton area and the Lake Cities area. And then we launched our venue campus. If you don't know, all right, give it up for the venue. Come on. The venue is on the Flower Mound property. It's a campus within a campus, and the venue has empowered us to raise up and develop so many leaders for the mission that we're on. And then we launched our Louisville campus. This is where our Louisville campus looks like. Give it up for Louisville. And our Louisville campus is in an area that, man, it was like a church desert. There was nothing that was life-giving and Jesus-focused and spirit-filled, so we got to go in there and reach people and serve them, and it's been amazing. And so those are the four that we're now multiplying forward, and here we are. This is our Gainesville campus building. It looks really sad right there, but don't worry. It's in construction. It's going to look like all the rest of the campuses. It's amazing. So here's where we are. The Gainesville campus will launch sometime at the end of this summer. We're in construction, it's moving forward, it's amazing, and we're hearing all kinds of people say things like this, I've been praying for a church like this in Gainesville for 20 years. Come on, you're answering someone's prayer that they've been praying for 20 years, man. God is moving and he's doing some amazing things. And so I'm super excited to announce to you that our Gainesville campus pastor is Brian and Stephanie Shonifer. Brian Brian, Brian, and, Brian, okay, okay, okay. They're in Denton right now, so I'm sure Denton's not listening to anything that we're saying because they're just cheering. Brian and Stephanie have been a part of our church for years. They helped launch the Denton campus. They helped launch the Louisville campus. Brian has been serving as our central staff. And so now they are going to go to be the campus pastors of our Gainesville campus. And this is what we do, guys. 
We just raise up people that are within our church that have callings and gifts on their life to do the different functions, hope carriers in the church and hope carriers outside of the church. And so we're super excited and proud of them and can't wait to see what God's going to do. The reason we're doing a picture today is so they could be in Denton to celebrate with all the people that drive down from Gainesville every single week. So I know Denton, I know you can't even contain yourself right now. How excited you are. So our Gainesville interest gathering, if you want to be a part of the Gainesville launch team, you know somebody who might be, even if you're just thinking about it or you're not sure, whatever, just come. Friday, March 13th, we're going to have a Gainesville interest gathering. We're going to talk all about putting that team together because it's getting real now. It's getting real. It's here. We're going to launch this thing in the next few months. So we got to build the team. And then we've got our Argyle property, which we bought on 407 and 35. Argyle is coming. We're working on things are getting submitted to the city. We're hoping to start turning ground at this location uh, come, come this summer. And so we're going to have to build that from the ground up because normally we like to get old buildings and restore them, but there ain't nothing out here. So we got this, which is probably one of the most amazing pieces of property out here. We can't wait to see what God is going to do. And we have no leads currently on university. So if you have a building or you know somebody that has a building, Come on, in Jesus' name, we're asking by faith so we can reach the university, so we can reach the next generation. So if you've got a lead, reach out to us. That's where we're at. God's doing amazing things. That's a lot. Woo! One year. Come on. One year. This is our privilege, and this is our responsibility. So real quick, because some of you that are like, yeah, yeah, I know I've heard that. I know. And some of you, you've never heard that. So now one year in, here we all are. Real quick, will you just lean in this with me? Let me just remind you of a couple things that I want you to remember real quick as we pull this all together. First thing is just simply this. Remember, we're here to serve the city. Make no mistake about it. This is not for us. It's not about us. It's about them. It's just like Jesus moved into the neighborhood with grace and truth. We're moving into the neighborhood with grace and truth. This is about serving the city with no strings attached. You say, how do we do that? By creating harbors of hope and by you living as a hope carrier everywhere you go. We just want to serve people in Jesus' name. There are poor people all around us. Poor emotionally. Poor relationally poor spiritually, poor financially, poor physically, and God has empowered his church to serve the city. I mean, look at this verse, Jeremiah, also seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. (laughs) Some of you, you live in North Texas and you feel like you've been carried into exile. I'm from Buffalo. It took me a while to get it too. I hear you, but maybe just maybe God has placed you here. For this time in eternity, to seek the peace, the shalom, the comprehensive flourishing, and the prosperity of the city with no strings attached. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. In other words, if you really want to prosper in life, help other people prosper first. And God promises in the process, you will prosper. We're here for the good of others and the glory of God. We're here for the city. Not for us. And hear me, if you don't understand that, you will always be disappointed by the church. 
If you think it's about you and your needs and your desires and your rights and your preferences, you will always be disappointed in the church. Because the church isn't about us. The church is for the city. And we become a people that reaches the city together in Jesus' name. Second thing I want you to remember real quick is remember we are intentionally reaching the lost and intentionally developing leaders. Here's what I love about missional moves is they make us get real specific on reaching people who are lost, lonely, and broken. And it makes us get real specific on developing leaders who can lead other people to meet Jesus. That's what it forces us to do. Because every time you launch a campus, you got to go reach new people. And every time you launch a campus, you have to develop new leaders to go there and lead and new leaders to rise up from where they have been sent. So we are intentionally in the process reaching the lost and developing leaders. Here's what I want you to understand. We're trying to help lost people discover Jesus. People who have discovered Jesus learn how to follow Jesus. And people who are following Jesus learn how to help other people follow Jesus. That's what we're doing. Trying to help lost people discover Jesus. People who have discovered Jesus learn how to follow Jesus. People who are following Jesus learn how to help other people follow Jesus. So every one of us, we're either lost or we're growing as a kingdom leader or somewhere in between. You have either yet to put your faith in Jesus, you're currently actively growing as a kingdom leader, or you're somewhere in between. So can I ask you the question? When was the last time you intentionally tried to reach a lost, lonely, and broken person. Maybe just simply inviting them to come and be here. And when was the last time you intentionally tried to grow as a leader? Like take a specific next step on your journey with Jesus. That's what the missional move does. It helps us get real missional and it helps us get really good at going to the next level on our walk with Jesus. You with me on that? This is why Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples. Reach the lost and develop leaders. Third thing I want you to remember is simply this. Remember, generosity is our mandate. As the people of God, generosity is our mandate. We've been mandated by God as we've received his grace to now become people that release generosity into the world around us. And hope travels through generosity. Like, like, look at this verse. I love this verse. It says, just as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Why you think about this for a second? He says, just as you excel in everything, I would bet that you excel in a lot of things. You might excel in your family. You might excel in business. You might excel in sports, in a hobby, in, in, in theater, in song. I, don't, I bet there's lots of things that you excel in. He says, see to it that you also excel in the grace of giving to the same level you excel in everything else. Isn't it interesting that he has to pull this one out for us? Why? Because excelling in giving is not natural. It's not normal. The reason he has to pull it out is because if we're honest, we have, we have this like holdup of idolatry in our heart of this love of money and we're so afraid of letting it go. But what he's saying is he's pulling it out to say, hey, look at grace, who Jesus is and what he has done. And that actually empowers you to learn to start being generous. In fact, if you're going to live a set apart life, part of living set apart is saying that the primary purpose of your finances is for the good of others and the glory of God. You think about that for a second. What is the primary purpose of your finances? 
Scripture would tell us that it's for the good of others and the glory of God. And yet we're all on a journey with this, and it's not easy, and I hear you, and so there's these really simple steps. Go to the next slide for me. Every one of us in this room, we're at one of these places. We're either considering giving. We've not done that before, giving to God. We're giving for the first time. It's new. We're experiencing it. We're taking a step of faith. Some of us give occasionally, like when we have a good month or we feel like we have excess or we feel moved to do so. Some of us give intentionally, which means we regularly give. It's part of our life. Some of us tithe. God asks us to tithe to him, give, us the, give him the first best... T- the first and best 10% portion of your income. And then after you do that, there's sacrificial giving that comes out of the 90% that God says you can do whatever you want with. And so all of us are on a journey. And I'm not asking you to go from here to here. I'm just saying, we said this a year ago, what if every one of us in this room just took a next step wherever we are? What if we moved forward and then just held that ground? A year ago, if you were here, I challenged you, take a next step in one of these, but then hold that ground. Don't do it for two months and then lose it. Like, take a next step and hold that ground. And what I love about our church is we don't do campaigns. There's no thermometer in the atrium. I don't talk about this all the time. We don't try to guilt you, make you feel bad. We just simply ask everybody in our church to ask, listen, and respond to what God would have them do to make a two-year commitment above and beyond what you already give. Take a next step in this journey. And if you want to join us, here we are one year in. So many of you we've reached. Come on, 524 people we've baptized in the last year. So many of you join us for this year, the last year. You can get all the information online. You can get one of these commitment cards at the info center. Because what you're saying is you're saying, hey, you know what? God's doing something in my life and I want to lock into him so he can do something in somebody else's life. And I'm hearing so many stories of people who are on the journey doing this with us of experiencing blessings and freedoms and breakthroughs. And go to the next slide for me. If you have made a commitment, here's what I love. He says, here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) He's talking to the Corinthians who made commitments to give to other churches so they would have hope. One year later, he says, finish what you started. You were the first who wanted to give and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Hear me, in the kingdom of God, faithfulness matters and commitment counts. So if you made a commitment, this is about you walking that out with Jesus. And we can't do it without you and God's moving through you. You with me on that? And here's the whole point. You give what God asks you to give. Some of you giving a few dollars a week would be like super stretching. Do that if that's what he's asking you. And some of you in this room could write a single check to pay for an entire campus. Look at this next verse. He says, whatever you give, it's acceptable if you give eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. God has given all of us different things. The question is, is are we willing to submit it to him? Okay. And the last thing is just simply this. Remember, this is more about what God is doing in us than through us. In this whole thing, we're helping so many people along the journey, but it's really helping you. Do, Do you remember the story of the Israelites and Moses? 400 years of Egyptian slavery, and God shows up and says to Moses, Moses, I've seen their misery, I've heard their cry, and I'm concerned of their suffering. Now go, I'm sending you. Did God need Moses to set those people free? Moses needed to be a part of what God was doing. 
Because basically what God is saying, Moses, I've seen your misery, I've heard your cry, and I'm concerned of your suffering. So now I'm sending you to get involved in someone else's pain so that your pain can be healed. I'm sending you to set someone else free so you can be set free. See, what you have to understand is mission frees us from ourself. It frees us from ourself. It helps us take our eyes off of our, our own life and our own comforts and our conveniences. Like, hear me, if you complain, if you grumble, if you're grumpy, if you have an issue about everything all the time, I would just submit to you, you're probably not on mission. Because yeah. <laughs> people on mission ain't got time for that stuff. The greatest way out of your pain is to help someone else out of their pain. The greatest way to find hope is to give it away. And what I need you to understand is you will never have peace without purpose. Jesus comes to us and he wants to settle our heart with God. But then he wants to send us out into this world to live a life of purpose. And without purpose, you will never have peace. So you will sit there and complain and grumble. And what missional moves do, like this whole missional move, can I tell you what it does? It brings things to the surface in our soul. It brings the opinions and the preferences and the rights and the frustrations and the offenses. It brings all that junk to the surface. And God's like, yes, that's why I'm doing this through you so I can do something in you. And you get a choice in those moments to be a movement of hope for the city and beyond or to get stuck and complain about how it's uncomfortable and inconvenient for you. Come on, hear me. I don't love everything we do around here either. You're like, I don't like that logo. Me neither, maybe, you know? I don't like that we made that choice. Me neither, maybe. But you know what I know? I'm more interested in the mission that we're on than my opinion, than my preference, than my right. So I'm willing to lay those down because I want to go with God. Come on, are you with me on this? Someday, the parable of the talents, the master will return and every one of us will stand before him and he will call into account what we did with our resources, with our time, and with our energy. The question is, are you aligning yourself with what God is doing or with what the world is doing? Last thing to close, a really simple story. When Jesus was riding into Jerusalem, going into Jerusalem to lay down his life to bring hope to the world. He tells the disciples, go into the city and you're going to find a donkey there. And when you see the donkey, I need you to get it and bring it back to me so I can ride in on it. And if anyone asks you, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it. So the disciples go in, they find this donkey, they've got to take it. And the owner of the donkey says, what are you doing? And they say, well, Jesus needs it. And he says, well, then by all means, take it. And they bring the donkey to Jesus. Jesus gets on it and he rides into Jerusalem. He rides in on that donkey to bring hope to the world. I think God wants to come to you and to me. And he wants to look at our time, our resources, our possessions, our gifts. And I think what he's saying is, hey, will you let me use what you have so I can ride into someone else's life and bring them hope? You might laugh and say, it's a donkey. I'd give Jesus a donkey if I had a donkey. But I don't want to give him my money or my time or my energy. Hear me, that donkey was as important to that man as whatever it is that you're holding on is to you. Come on, 524 baptisms. We not only have the privilege, we have the responsibility to steward 
what God has entrusted to us in this time and this season. We're not where we're going, but we are so much farther than where we've been. The only question is, will you keep using what's in your hand for the good of others and the glory of God? Because we have been set apart by grace. And someone else did all this for you. And now you get to be a part of doing it for them. That's why we're here. That's what we're doing. That's what we're all about. So close your eyes with me. Real quick. And what's God saying to you today? What's he whispering to your heart or to your mind? What's he inviting you towards or challenging you on? Come on, I think the Lord is calling all of us to new places. Maybe he's inviting you to lay something down, give something up. Maybe he's inviting you to take a first step in giving or to pick up that commitment that maybe you let go of after making. Some of you he's inviting, you've joined us since last year, or maybe you weren't in a place with your faith last year to make a commitment. Come on, make a commitment for this last year. This is not because we need the resources. This is because you need what God wants to do in your life when you let go of what you're holding on to for the good of others and the glory of God. We are a movement of hope for the city and beyond, and God is working through our lives in Jesus' name. He is all over this place. And if you have pain and brokenness, if you're lost and you're lonely, when you start getting involved in someone else's brokenness, you find the freedom that God offers to you. So come on, Valley Creek. Let's not just shrug this off, go to our cars and drive home. Let's move by faith. Let's take a next step in Jesus' name. Let's say for my 80 to 100 years on this earth, I want to live in such a way that the master gets to say one day to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share in my happiness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.